0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Uncover 1919. I am Tiana Richards, Coordinator of Multicultural Student Affairs, alongside Dr. Manny Wazwaz, Professor of Communications and Literature, and she will facilitate today's discussion. But first, please join me in welcoming our Black Student Association today for an in-depth discussion of 1919 by Eve L. Ewing. Eve L. Ewing her award-winning collection of poems explores the infamous Chicago race riot of 1919. So as we begin our program, I would like to first have each student introduce themselves with your first and last name, how long you've attended Moraine Valley, and your major that you are pursuing. And may we start with Jayla.
1: Hi, my name is Jayla Hill. I've been at Moraine Valley for a little under two years now, and the major I'm pursuing is business.
0: And anyone can go next after Jayla and you can continue.
2: Good morning, everyone. My name is Sharon Dice. Oh, Um, I've attended Moraine about a year and a half. I actually just completed my associates this past uh, December in liberal
3: arts.
4: My name is
3: Anaya Cobb. I've been at Moraine. This is my second semester at Moraine and I'm a liberal arts transfer.
5: My name is Precious Clark and this is my sophomore year at Moraine and I'm majoring in international business.
6: (laughs) Okay. Um. Hi, my name is Chini Bc. Um. This is my second year at Marine, and I'm a pre nursing student.
7: Hi. My name is Lauren Hassan. This is my fourth semester, my final semester at Marine Valley, and I'm majoring in Human Resources Management.
0: Thank you, ladies. Um. Again, we do appreciate you volunteering and taking your time out today for this Black History Month program. At this time, we will begin our discussion with Dr. Manny Wazwaz, professor of communications and literature. She will provide you a brief synopsis and uncover 1919 by Eve L. Ewing.
4: Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much, VSA. Thank you so much, Tiana. So, Eve Ewing wrote this incredible collection of poetry. And her source of inspiration was actually a government-commissioned document which was titled The Negro in Chicago. It was written in 1922. It was in response to the riots that occurred in 1919 in 15 states in the United States of America. There were riots, tragically, 100 people were lynched that year. African-Americans wanted to make and were making significant advances in their lives. This was met with anger with certain people, particularly white supremacists who did not want African-Americans to be making these advances. So there were riots and there was violence. And what we also need to keep in mind is African Americans were also responding and having self-defense units in response to the violence that they were met with. The government commissioned for this report to be written. Six white men, six black men went around and investigated wrote a 600 page document. She read it, she was amazed by it, but she felt, you know, not a lot of people know what was going on in 1919. And a way for them to start talking and start the conversation is to write these poems. And so she selected particular passages from the Negro in Chicago And she responded to it with poems. So to get people talking about the significant and unknown time. Well, it's chosen not to be discussed as often. So she's hoping for us to have conversations and that's what we're doing. So thank you so much. And I would like first um, for Jayla, Can you please be sharing your analysis of countless schemes? Please begin.
1: So I had countless schemes um, to start e-viewing names on countless schemes. And at first I thought it was just for the research into the specific words she used. She put these two words together to emphasize the many attempts and or schemes, a plan or program of action that whites tried to attempt to or fix the problems or injustices that African-Americans faced on a daily. We all know that thousands of black people were brought to this country as slaves and treated horribly for hundreds of years. They were thought of as, they were not thought of as human beings or even equals to the white man or woman. They were property. They were people that could be sold, beaten, raped, eaten, killed, or even used as subjects in surgeries or experiments. Now on to my analysis. Um, even if Ewing writes, you don't have enough votes. We came here head to toe and now we are millions. To me, reading these lines and this poem as a whole, it shows how little white people during this time thought of black people. They thought they could solve the problems black people faced by presenting impossible proposals, such as deporting 12 million African-Americans back to Africa. It is kind of ironic that that was a solution that was presented when that was the problem in the first place. The first African-Americans did not ask to be here. They were brought here by stealing, killing, and being forcefully, forcefully removed from their home country. In the stanza, she talks about how whites also proposed that a separate Negro state be established in the United States. So not only were they mistreated, but they wanted every single African-American to be placed in one state. And that, and on the last, but certainly not least, segregation of blacks and whites in the establishment of the caste system or peasant class, along with the hope of Negro race just dying out. In response to these outrageous attempts to solve these problems and explain what African-Americans felt, Ewing writes about how white Americans not having enough votes, meaning that they do not even possess the the number amount of votes needed to even deport 12 million African-Americans back to Africa. She writes, and I quote, you will give us the most wretched desert, not the desert of our fathers where God is watching and man it comes down like the snow. You will give us all barren. You You will give our children sand to eat. We've been had that, end quote. Ewing describes what Black people were given as rest. She writes how she knew they would would have given African Americans a terrible state. She also uses the word desert, which means to abandon. This emphasizes what little some of the whites who were surveyed thought of African Americans. They would give them the bare minimum less than what they already had in their home country and would not see that as equal. They tried to place African Americans into a caste system, which is designed to keep poor people poor and the rich rich. Americans today believe that we do not have a caste system or a structure of a caste system, but in a way we do because more African-Americans are poor than they are rich. Some of the whites who were surveyed during this time hoped and prayed for African-Americans to die out and thought that that would solve the problem that African-Americans faced. Not only was this ignorant, but it was completely disrespectful to hope that a whole race would die out and that that would solve all the issues they faced to use hope to use the word hope and the word die in the same sentence is very saddening and contradicting not only for blacks but also for whites because they show how narrow-minded and unaccommodating they were to african americans.
4: Jayla, thank you so much. Thank you for your great analysis. You bring attention to indeed the impossible and unfair schemes, the unfair plans that certain people back in the day had in place to solve the problems, and as you beautifully pointed out, they were problems that they had created. So great observations. I would like next for Lauren, can you please, Lauren, analyze, present your analysis of July, July.
7: Yes, so to give a little bit of um, background information, Ewing likes to bring forgotten histories to the table, and I feel like that book or this book of poems kind of emphasizes that. So in 1995, there was a massive heat wave in Chicago, and it killed um, 739 people. Majority of these people who had passed away were Black, low-income, and sexual or elderly. They lived in public housing with no proper ventilation systems. So this wave caused um, over 700 people to die because they had no other place to go. The last stanza of the poem was very troublesome to read and was significant to me. So, Ewing I prayed for rain to come. I said, I love you. I didn't say it's too hot to breathe right. I said, good night. I didn't say whether I would give up or not. I said, this is still my home. I said, my Lord. Regardless of the fact that the people in 1995 are suffocating and suffering in these public housing units, they still stick through it and they stay there because they most likely have nowhere else to go. That's their home, their safe space. Even if there wasn't proper ventilation, they would stick out staying there because there were no resources for them to go anywhere else and stay hydrated and cool and survive in that heat wave. I also think this poem emphasizes forgotten histories because this injustice with many people dying during the heat wave happened only twenty six years ago. And many marginalized communities in Chicago and other cities um, of color are facing issues that are in the same realm that Ewan discusses in her poem. But unfortunately, many of our modern day stories and experiences never get to say like get to see the light of day. So I think this poem was dedicated to many lives lost and honors their lives because many of those people don't have the moment or have a moment of silence um, and get to talk about these stories and histories because they didn't have the resources to survive or they're put into a caste system that unfortunately still hasn't been broken.
4: Okay. Thank you so much, Lauren. Excellent analysis of Eve Ewing's July, July. Many solid points. The idea of bringing attention, a lost history, a history that is not discussed, a great sense of sorrow over the idea that the homes that they have are not properly ventilated, but it's still home, that it is still home to them And then the history remains silent. So this is a way to bring attention to it. So thank you so much, Lauren. And I would like next for Anaya. Anaya, if you could please share with us your thoughts on Jump Rope. Um,
3: (laughs) Sorry. Um, A lot of Ewing's work has to do with children and how adults defend and celebrate children and their rights to be children. So I believe she had Eugene and his last moments of terror and all the things he didn't get a chance to do in her mind while she wrote it. So Jump Rope made me feel uneasy given how it was wrote in a kind of nursery rhyme type of way. Um, reading or like singing along to the poem was sort of uncomfortable for me just because I wasn't expecting it to be written in the Miss Mary Mack rhythmic scheme. And that's something that I, in addition to probably a number of you know and grew up singing. So this made me realize that, this made me realize that Ewing might've wanted this poem to stick in somebody's head Based off, wanted this poem based off Eugene's tragic passing to stick in one's head and get passed down as a tradition or become part of like an oral history, Um, like all of the other jump rope songs that kids continue to chant to this day. In addition to this, I believe that Ewing used symbolism by including the word rope in her title. As we know, ropes are the main component associated with lynching. And this was clever of her because while Eugene's death wasn't an actual lynching, I feel like it was a lynching just due to the fact that he died at the hands of white people because of racism. And I also feel as if Ewing is trying to demonstrate how double-sided society it can be because of the way she incorporated the ropes and how they can be utilized in two completely different ways. One being kids using the jump rope to play and the other being lynched. Um, other, the other being, having you get used to lynch innocent African-American people?
4: Okay, hey, thank, thank you, you so you. much, Anaya. That was very moving. That was an excellent analysis of jump rope. I very much appreciate how you spoke about your personal response to it and being uneasy that the way that she put this poem in a sing-song rhyming fashion and it does indeed communicate the message you're saying so she had an idea and it it allows you to understand it it allows you to stay in your mind a whole lot more that's a great And and Anaya, another great point was this double play on the jump rope being used as, it's an instrument, a tool for children to play with, but unfortunately it was used to lynch people. So many, many powerful points. Thank you so much, Anaya. I'm going to move ahead now to Shinny. Shinny, can you please tell us about your response to, does it explode?
6: Hi everyone. Okay, so um, the poem or does it explode is more like, it was more like the author was like trying to tell a story of how the day of July, 1919 went in the poem or does it explode? The author uses the hot weather of that day to describe and create an image of how tense and heated up the day was the day so it was someone asked the day was so hot sorry um the day um of um july 1919 was the day um a young teenager drowned in the lake michigan and led to the 1919 riot. um If Ewing writes, it was so hot, you can cook an egg in lines three and four. Maybe that day was actually hot, like literally, but we we didn't know. But in the context of the poem, the author was, if Ewing was trying to describe how tense and how heated up the day was because of the death of a young teenager. Um, If Ewing quotes, Um, And I quote, she writes, and I quote, "Um, it was so hot, the sun tried to get in the swimming pool and everybody else had to get out. Um, I feel she was trying to talk about the the response to racism back in 1919, how um, white people couldn't stand being in the same place with an African-American or a Black person. She also... She also talks about how the place was it was so bad and then people i'm not sure but people had to leave or people couldn't stand staying there and they they had to move and um i'm sorry you know um so yeah that's that's all i have thank you
4: Thank you so much, Chinny. Chinny, you speak about the concept of heat and how heat translates into tension. So while it was indeed hot in July, 1919, it was also hot in the sense of a lot of tension going on. And then you also speak of the idea that people did not want the presence of African-Americans so there's the idea of like moving away and that also creating even further tension. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on Does It Explode? Now, I would like the following. After Chinny, I would like Sharon to share with us her thoughts on The Train Speaks and after that, please, Precious, to talk about uh, James Crawford Speaks. So, Uh, Sharon, the Train
2: Speaks, please. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry I didn't get to hear Cheney's um, presentation. It kept going in and um, it keeps going in and out. All right, I'll start again. Train Speaks resonated with me from hearing the stories my elders spoke of when leaving the South for what they hoped would be a better life up North. I see the train as a mother figure with the steel and sharp edges, both used to protect and defend her children. It also represents the strength the women had to have to keep them and their families safe and alive. Yet once inside, it will cradle and comfort them for the ride to this new life and all that that entails is nervously awaiting her children, hoping they'll make it there safely, that they won't get stopped along the way by those who want to keep them in bondage, to keep them from an education, a decent home, a chance to fulfill whatever is in their hearts and mind, a chance to be happy. They are excited, yet still frightened. There is a line in the poem that reads, they move like rabbits then, they look for a lash that isn't there, even them that never felt it. Many are remembering the beatings and the ill treatment received not only from the landowners, but also those who felt it was their right to behave in such a barbaric way because of the color of their skin. Even those who had never felt the sting of the lashing feared what could happen from the stories told to them in event, events of witness. Some don't have any luggage, so they put whatever they can in burlap, probably some of the same burlap they used to carry cotton in. They pack a lunch for the ride, a piece of meat, if you're lucky, fruit, and, of course, biscuits. My aunt always talked about the homemade biscuits that they made, you know, even when they, and then syrup, even if they didn't have. So, they of course, they had biscuits for that train ride. They've made it to the train. They settle in and watch not only the land and sky go by, but the life they once lived as they traveled to this new place. Many will have a friend or relative meet them at the station while others will strike out on their own, not sure what to expect. The train is excited for her children, but apprehensive because she knows the many dangers that still face her children. She knows of the angry words and actions, the unspoken words and the behind closed doors actions. Even the weather would be a challenge as another line from the poem reads, They know not the cold, my babies, the cold weather many of them are not used to, but they're on their way now to face whatever lies ahead, and there is no turning back. The last lines of the poem read, I can never take you home. You have none, and so you go out into the wind. As a final note, I grew up in a town just 30 miles south of Chicago, This community came to be because Blacks and mulattoes, coming from the South to make a better life for themselves kept getting pushed further and further away from the city. They found this place where they could raise their families and feel somewhat safe from all the racial inequalities that were happening at that time. And they incorporated in 1914, just five short years before these riots of 1919. This community still exists, up and down. They've had many challenges, but it is still a Black community thriving in this time. Thank you.
4: Sharon, that was so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your own personal story, your family story, and about the African-American community that was built by African-Americans coming from the South, seeking a sanctuary, seeking refuge and creating it for themselves. Thank you so much. This adds a special touch to the meaning of the poem. Especially powerful about your analysis was you linking the train to the mother figure, the mother figure being strong, being protective, wanting the absolute best for her children, the children carrying the pain and the wounds in their souls and in their backs, and then the train the, the train, the mom as the train, acknowledging that they don't really have a home, and that she's basically sending them out, and they have to fend for themselves. Very powerful analysis, Sharon. Thank you so much. I would like Precious, can you please share your thoughts about James Crawford speaks? Thank you. Okay.
5: So according to um,
4: Eve uh, Ewing was
5: supposed uh, what, was James Crawford's perspective uh, what happened and what uh, we, during this time. We really don't have knowledge on him and why he decided to pull a gun out and fire it towards the police um, officers. Uh, but to read that James Crawford was killed by a black man was sad and disappointing as the black community is built on support and looking out for each other. Um however it was wrong to shoot at the police, but James Crawford and the back in the black community were fed up and were fed up with the killing of Eugene. The author wanted to give us more life and emotional life towards this poem because we can't access the historical moment. In the poem the word almost was mentioned multiple times and Eve Ewing stated almost able to walk home I think if the officers would have given more attention and acted upon the situation the right way Eugene Williams would have been able to walk home alive from the beach this poem give us an idea on what this poem gives us an idea on what went on through James Coff Crawford's mind and why he fired a shot at the police based on his heavy emotions of Eugene's death. Quote, so I spoke it. His name came out of me and I fired. With this being said, I feel the emotions of James Crawford and I understand how his emotions took over in the moment which led to his death in honor of Eugene.
4: Thank you so much, Precious. Earlier, Lauren had mentioned how Eve Ewing likes to bring attention to forgotten histories. And I am so grateful for your analysis because James Crawford, he's mentioned once and Eve Ewing was very interested in these people who are mentioned once and not much is said about them and I love the part of your analysis where you state that it allowed you to gain access into his state of mind and what he may have been thinking and feeling before as he was getting angry that nobody was doing anything about Eugene Williams as he was being violated. And he took, you know, he aimed the gun and he was killed and She, as the poet, allows us to envision the last few moments of his life. So for you, Precious, this was a very important moment. Though he is, not much is said about him in historical books, as a poet, she allows us to envision, to go inside of his mind, to understand his possible thoughts and emotions the few seconds before he himself ends up being killed. Thank you so much. And
0: Tiana. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Um, And thank you, Black Student Association. You guys did a wonderful job with your analysis. It was great to hear your thoughts and your voices on 1919 and an opportunity to uncover what Eve Ewing wanted us to understand from the text. So we will now transition the program into our discussion questions. So we just want to hear a little bit of feedback from you and your thoughts and voices in addition to your analysis. And Dr. Wals-Wals will begin with the first question.
4: Okay, thank you, Tiana. So the first question. Okay, so this is for Anaya, Jayla, Shini, Sharon, Precious, and Lauren. Do you feel that 1919 by Eve Ewing relates to the current racial climate in America. Please share your thoughts. Who wants to go first?
3: Um, I think that jump rope correlates to today's uh racial injustices because of its uh fighting situation it's based off of, which is Eugene floating in the white part of the water and his, and, his, um, and he passed. So um, it's based off of racial racial segregation, because this might not be as physically obvious as it was back then today, but I think it's definitely still in today's society just because of all of the riots that's been happening this past year, all of the po- police brutality because of um, one's skin color so um, I think that really correlates to today because just because she shines light, she sheds a light on it with the book. And I feel like that has a lot to do with today because a lot of people are now starting to open their eyes like across the country to racial segregation because it's so um, it's becoming so more so much more. I hate to say, but it's becoming normal now. So that's what I would have to say.
4: Adaya, do you do you mean the awareness of racial injustice is becoming normal? Is that what you mean? Yeah, and I
3: feel like people are not being as surprised anymore because it's just happening so often. Like, racial injustice is just happening so often. Either police with it or just, um, what is it, uh, like, the judicial system. Everything is just, people are not as... Um, surprised when it happened, when it happens. So they're more prepared, I feel like today, than they were.
4: Thank you, Anaya. Lauren, Sharon, Precious, Chini, Jayla, would you like to respond to what she said or would you like to respond? And once again, I'll repeat the question. Do you feel that 1919 by Eve Ewing relates to the current racial climate in America? either respond to Anaya or to the question itself. I feel uh. today because, although we don't still
1: face some problems that people in 1919 face or African-Americans face in 1919, we still do have certain injustices or certain problems that have not been fixed. We are, I would say, not the government, but people come up with solutions that they think are supposed to fix problems that Black and African-Americans will face every day. Um, But I don't feel like there has been a real solution because, one, Black people are still poor, Black people are still mistreated by whites, Black people are still judged by their skin color. So I feel like in some ways we have gotten better, but in other ways we are still at the same spot or still in the same um, problems that we were in
2: 1919. Yes, um, I think... I'm oh, sorry. I think um, when we read this book, even it's just a it's a hundred years ago. That's still a really short time for this country, and to for the country to not have advanced any more than we have. Um, as Jayla said, it's not the same um, injustices that we faced. It's pretty much the same. As I tell my kids, it's the same devil. He just has a different dress on so these injustices have continued um, some behind the scenes now in this climate now it's more prevalent Um, they've emboldened uh, groups of people to be um, as bold as they were back in the 1900s and 1920s um, with their violent acts as we have seen um, over the last few months in this country Uh, We have made some progress, not as much as we should have. Um, Even in the class that I took with Dr. Wazwaz, one of the young people, I think we were reading the book of Frederick Douglass. I think that was the one. And one of the students made a comment that he didn't know slavery was a thing. I was so appalled by that. I I didn't know how to respond. I was so angry. A thing? And I was just like, okay, I know you understand you're a young person, but slavery is not a thing like a pair of bell-bottom pants or a shirt that came in to be a trend. So I think there's still much more work to be done in the schools, as well as starting in the homes with our own children. Um, That's where it has to start. Children are born with prejudice. They're not born that way. They're taught that. So I think that has to start in the home. And I'll stop now, because I'll keep going. Thank you.
4: Sharon, if you have more to say, please share it. Please, because I, I know. share it. And you know, in the class that you took with me, I, I remember that discussion on Frederick Douglass. And for me, I, I know what you're talking about. What, what also pained me was there were a few in the class who did not know who Frederick Douglass was. You know, this was their first time hearing about Frederick Douglass, and I agree with you. It does start in the home. It should be talked about in the home, and schools should should pick up and talk about it. And Sharon, remember when we discussed 1919 in, in class? Everybody, I surveyed everybody. There was just one person out of the 25 who knew uh, the history, And and actually, I can't even say new because she said I knew a little bit and everybody else is like, it was never covered in school whatsoever. I hear what you're saying. I I understand. Can you please jump jump right in? Jayla, Sharon, if you want to say more. And Anaya, Lauren, do you want to jump in? Because this is a very important question. Oh, wait a second. Okay, go ahead, Lauren.
7: Okay, I was going to say, connecting to everyone's point, Anaya, Sharon, and Jayla, uh, the thing that I feel like integrates what everyone's been saying is history continues to repeat itself. Uh, And we see that in 19, even before 1919, (laughs) in the 1800s, and then coming up to now. um, But we have these riots, like the Harlem riots. Uh, the Watts riot, um, just like it, it just continue, And it's like these moments of distress because we keep getting these buildups of pressure and we just kind of let it go. And I feel like you can only let it go so much. Um, and it gets to a point where you have to do or say something about it. So I definitely do think that it connects to modern day, like you all said. Um, and I think a lot of ignorance as well, Sharon was talking about that. I think there's a lot of ignorance in school and colleges. And that's something that we need to we need to integrate policies to put things in place where students learn about these issues um, and how there's marginalized communities and how people are treated unfairly. And this has been happening for centuries. So yeah, I am just like connecting pretty much what everyone said, because I feel like everyone said that, but just different ways.
6: Um,
4: okay, Thank you
6: yeah. so much. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm just to like piggyback of like what everyone said. Um, I feel like, um, I'm talking from like social media like point of view. What I've been seeing, I feel like people try to like justify racism, like when someone's being racist people find something to say to justify their actions like I don't know if you if anyone has seen the video of like a care like a lady she's a caregiver and then the white lady is like literally like spitting on her face like the food that she was eating and and in the comments people like oh she's old she doesn't know what she's doing like I don't think but I was like you can't even like what do you mean she doesn't know what she's doing like she clearly knows what she's doing like and then also like Black Lives Matter. People think it's like a trend, like just something to put on your bio, like, but like their actions like beg to differ. Like people put it on their bio and then they don't even act like people think it's a trend, but it's not. Like that's yeah, that's basically what everybody yeah, that's what I have to say.
4: Thank you so much, Chinny. Would anybody else like? to add on to what she said, would anybody else like to address, talk about this important question and these important issues? Okay, I just wanna go back to what Sharon said earlier that unfortunately right now, I love Sharon, what you said, what you tell your children is it's the same devil, but the devil is dressed up differently. So right now it's sometimes it gets masked, the racism gets masked, or sometimes it's now so empowered that it's it's being shown. Shinny, you said it's being shown and sometimes it's being like, excuse, excuse, you know, immediately. Okay, hold on to this, hold on to this concept. I wanna ask you this. Okay, as an African-American woman, or as an African woman, how do you feel about your college selecting this text for the one book, one college program. How do you feel about it? Your thoughts?
3: Um, I feel as an African-American woman from the south side, I'm um, from the south suburbs of mm-hmm. Chicago. I'm pleased to know that Moraine chose 1919 by Eve L. Ewing, um, which is a fellow African-American woman from Chicago. For this event, um, because it gives me a sense of relief, knowing that her work is still being she is still being recognized for her work that recognizes what happened, the injustices that happened in the nineteen in nineteen nineteen with the riots in Chicago, and um, um, it also makes me feel good to know that other small town African American girls could look up to her and um, be motivated and strive for um, anything they want to do, just because she came from such a difficult time in a small town. So, yeah.
4: Lauren, Precious, Sharon, shinny Jayla, would you like to add?
2: I agree. There are so many. Um, I don't know how you all chose um, this particular book because there are so many excellent ones that could have been, you know, talked about. But this indeed was, as uh, Anaya says, an excellent choice. Um, the The poems and, and the work that she uncovered was prov- profound. Mm-hmm. It needs to be read by more um, people. Um, indeed, like I said, for our young, our young women to see writers such as herself see that's why um a lot of our young people can't, like I said, they can't dream and see other things that that they can be if it's not they're not exposed to it. Um my children growing up, and I don't need to belabor the point, but my children growing up, they used to um be so angry with my husband and myself when we would go on family trips anywhere we always, wherever we went, we took them to some kind of museum or something. It was always a learning. And they hated that part because they just wanted to go to amusement park or whatever. But we always tried to find uh, either a Black museum or some kind of museum, some kind of learning thing. And I think that um, needs to be part of our, our children's lives today. Of course, with the COVID and everything, but they're still... Um, this month, you can still do virtual tours of Black museums and things like that. So this book is excellent. I'm glad you all chose it. I'm glad um, Dr. Wazwaz asked me to be a part of it. Um, I'm very humbled by that, and I appreciate it. Thank you.
4: Sharon, I always remember your post from African American Lit where you used to talk about taking your children on all of these amazing trips. I think it is just so remarkable because when children actually get to see and experience, it stays in in their mind. And your analysis for um, 1919 have always been remarkable. And I I wanna mention this, that next week I will be taking part in, virtual you know conference and I already tape recorded my experiences you know teaching this text and Sharon I featured remember when I would highlight your analysis in African American lit I featured you know some of the things that you said as part of my presentation so thank you so much thank you you know for giving beyond the class and to this discussion as well too
2: And I just want to say one other thing, I think on one of the poems, I think that Jayla's poem about them bringing us over here uh, on the slave. They want to just to get rid of us, but you brought us here. So supposedly this problem is a problem you created. And I just want to mention, um, we stumbled upon a black wax museum in Baltimore. And We went in and like you said, when children see things, it sticks with them. We didn't know what to expect, but in this small museum, they had a room. And when you walked into the room, it was kind of dark. And so you're going down these stairs and you're looking like, oh God, what's in here? And when you go into the room, now the lights start to come up a little bit and they have wax figures of slaves you're in the, sh- the ship. You're in the bottom of a ship. And you see these figures laying head to toe, chained together. And now you hear the, the sound of the water, the, the, the waves hitting against the ship. And now you're thinking, oh, God, this is how they traveled here. Laying like that. Side by side on their backs, chained together, hearing the this slushing, this, the noise of the water, and they traveled all those many miles. My kids started crying, they was like, mama, can we get out of here? Can we get out of here? But to think the things that we went through to get here, and we're still here, we're still strong, we're still surviving, we're still this strong people, it's just awesome to think about. And I, my book that I read from Timmy O'Black, and, um. That sacred ground, that's another good book to read. you know. And his mom says, we come from a people. We're the best, we're the cream. They pick the cream of the crop. And that's why we're here, we're still strong and we're still surviving. We are the cream of the crop and we need to let our children know, you are special people, you're, you're strong and you're vibrant, you're intelligent, you're all of that. And we need to pass that on. And I'm gonna stop talking again.
4: Sharon please don't stop talking (laughs) please don't I could honestly listen to you the whole day (laughs) that that is so so moving so beautiful the experience and then and then the message the message behind it thank you so much Sharon beautifully articulated please this is such an important topic Please, would you like to add, Laura, I okay, maybe Lauren's not here, but Precious and Shinny, Anaya, would you like to add to this? Respond to Sharon's thoughts. Okay, <coughs> sorry. What final thoughts would you like to share based on your analysis and experience in reading 1919 by Eve Ewing. So your final your final thoughts. That one thing that you would like to share that's still in your mind that you wish you could express with others, what is it?
1: I think that it was really hard to analyze these poems. Um, specifically my poem, and I don't know if anybody else who had to analyze the poem felt this way, but I felt like it was very hard to analyze it because I feel like the people who were surveyed or the people who were going through this during that time, we had like a totally different mindset. So I felt like to analyze this, we have to like put ourselves um, into like how they they felt or like how they were thinking in order to see what she actually meant by what she was writing. I feel like sometimes we might take for granted how, how our life is right now. We don't think about how our ancestors or how people in 1919 had to struggle um, like differently from how we struggle like the stuff that they face honestly I don't know if a black woman today or specifically me would be able to face um injustices or just the simple everyday life that they had to face I feel like they were built they were built differently and they were stronger than what we are today but today people were strong too but I just feel like their mindsets and how they just were so strong and continue to push forward during these times were just different. And the mindset that Black Americans have today or African Americans have today are just different from how they were back then. I feel like they were much more united then and kind of like stood as one. Um, And then now today, I don't feel like we stand as a whole. I think it's getting better, but I think it could be much better.
3: I agree with you because I feel like today's people are um, a bit more spoiled, if you could say, just because how society has evolved from then to now. We have more resources and more um, people that can help us. I feel like back then, African-Americans just... um, Then we uh, stood as a whole, but now since we're like, everybody has basically like... um, Every man for themselves, basically. That's what you said. That's all I had to
4: add on. Are you then seeing less unity? Is that what I'm hearing, Anaya and Jayla? Less unity? Is is this what you're suggesting? Okay. I do
1: feel like now, I think I am suggesting um, less unity. I think we have been seeing it, in the past year maybe or the last couple of years with the Black Lives Matter movement. Specifically, the unity that has come um, with like the passing of George Floyd and all the riots and the protesting and stuff. I think that brings unity. But before that, Um, I don't think there was a constant like stance of unity like it's it's some and there's movements and stuff, but we don't really see it for like a long lasting period like it's it's there for like a high period and then after like a couple of months it'll die down. And I think that um, in order to keep it strong and in order to push forward and have change and evolve we need to stay a unit um, for a long time.
3: Um, like um, like recently, unity, it was only because it benefited, benefited those people, like the riots, they came together to riot when they was doing the, um like the stores and everything. Black people were united just because they wanted to get something out of that. I feel like their intentions wasn't because of what led to the riots. It was because it was benefiting them. So I feel like we're united and sort of like more towards the negative way other than the positive way if that makes sense
5: um i feel like um something has to happen in order for us like to come as one like for example like george floyd or uh black people that have been um killed by police officers um like it it's always something that happens in order for us to like start protesting and stuff like that and i feel like we should like come together as one like Um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's always something negative that has to happen for us to, like, to come together. And in order for us, like, to get over that, I feel like we should come together as one, um, even though something, like, bad didn't happen. Um, Like, for example, like, you see, like, Black on Black crime. Um, No one really talks about, like, Black people killing each other. And I feel like we have to come as one in order for us, like, to face, like, the other negativity, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm explaining it right. But yeah, that's what I think, I don't
3: know. And like, why does always why does it always have to be a police versus Black thing or a white versus Black thing for Black people to come together and fight the racial injustice when it happens every day? Um, or yeah, every day with Black, against Black, and it's nothing being said, which basically, it, if not, if it's not the same thing, it's almost worse because it's black on black. You know what I'm saying? I kind of get what you're saying.
5: And a lot of people like um, when when they say um, Black Lives Matter, they say it's for like the white people, uh, officers killing the black people, but they don't like use it for black on black crime because I saw a lot of of examples. Um, for example, this rapper he got killed by um someone who was black and everyone said that Black Lives Matter doesn't apply to that situation. And I kind of got confused on why that didn't apply. Like, I understand why, but like, still, like Black Lives Matter, it should be like one thing. It shouldn't just be about white people killing um Black people. It should be like all around, if that makes sense. Um, I
1: Like, that's a more of like a Black people thing. Like, I don't feel like different races or specifically white people will take black people seriously as a whole until they realize that black people take black lives serious like like you said there's black on black crime but the police see us killing each other so they're going to think it's right to do the same exact thing i don't think that there's going to be a change until black people change as a whole and they change their entire mindset and then once we change as a whole and come together as like a unit and then we can tackle like the white on black crime or the white on other racist crime. But I just feel like if we don't come together as a whole, the the state or the country won't take black people serious because we don't take us serious in certain aspects. And I also- With
2: all those comments, oops, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Precious.
5: <laughs> um, um, and another thing is, I feel like um, us, like, Black people, some like, I'm not saying everyone, but, like, some of us are, like, not focused enough. Like, we don't have, like, some of us don't have knowledge of what's going on. And, like, uh, I just feel like some of us are not, like, focused in the matter of, like, um, we just, we're selfish, like, we want this and that, but we're not, like, paying attention to, like, what's going on in reality. We're, like, some of us are, like, still, like, sleeping, I don't
2: know. Yeah, I agree with all those comments. Um, Like she said, we tend to react to things instead of being proactive, Um, even to the civil rights movement. It wasn't something that they marched a day, a week, a month. It was ongoing and they kept going until they got what they set out to were marching about. And that's where we need as people today, we've got to have that longevity in striving for what it is, the changes that we want to see made. Um, I hear so many young people like, oh, that was in the olden days. What olden days are you talking about? That was maybe 25 years ago. The fact that we still have um, the Voting Rights Act, we they have to renew that every 25 years for us to have the right to vote. That's insane. That art, and I blame our congressmen and our senators for that, because that should have been squashed like long time ago. Why do we, as black people who have built this country, we have to have a a measure that says every 25 years we get the right to vote and then you have a foreigner coming here and they have all rights and privileges it's the same so we as a people, like you all have said, we've got to come together and we've got to stay united for the long haul.
4: Would you like to add more? Would you like to add more? This is a very important conversation. Sharon, I I love your use of the civil rights movement because they indeed work together. They did indeed work together. And it wasn't like, like they wanna tell us, oh, Rosa Parks one day got got on a bus and, and there was this altercation. And then magically, you know, it started the Montgomery Bus Boycott started. No, because to tell history this way is not only false, but it also gives the false impression of The behind the scenes, what was going on, the many women and men who were thinking and planning ahead of time. And the way that if one Montgomery bus boycott took off, they had had maps of the city streets. They knew exactly what they were doing. It was people coming together, people putting their minds together, people drawing up maps and sharing Definitely yes, because this was not something that was spontaneous and there is so much that we could learn from history. And definitely right, history is not what happened in, in the past, we can choose to take the best actions from the past and model them again. It worked before, it can work again right now. Would you like to add more? Cl- more please? So. No. <laughs> no. All
2: right. We're losing our group. We're losing our group. Okay. I don't want to I don't want to monopolize I don't want to monopolize cuz like I could Dr. Wisewise, you know I could just talk. I could talk about this for probably the rest of the afternoon. But I know we all have lives and other things to do. I just this has just been wonderful. I appreciate all the young people being on here. And um it's just been great. I appreciate it. Yes.
4: Appreciate it, appreciate what you're saying, appreciate you. Sherry, you're saying you could talk all afternoon and I could listen all afternoon, but I understand you've got other things to go to and everything. Well, thank you so much and-
0: Yes, thank Thank you. Thank you
4: so much. Yes,
0: thank you everyone. Um, Of course, uh, we have come to an end of the discussion. It's been an amazing session, especially to hear from our student leaders of giving their thoughts and voices, not just about the 1919 text, but also about their experiences and their perceptions and beliefs and values on what this text meant to them. Now, also, special thanks to our facilitator, Dr. Manny Wise, We really appreciate you, as always, for an enlightening conversation. Um, I know that we're not in person, but I'm really big on giving each other a round of applause. So even if you're on mute, you can, everyone can come off mute, give, each, give our students and Dr. Wazwaz a round of applause for participating today, as we do appreciate you guys. Yay. Thank you. And um, so especially for your thoughts in uncovering 1919, which is what we set out to do today. And we wanted to bring uh, more light to the wonderful text. The last thing that I would like to share with everyone before you go, I will have my um email is in the chat box. If you can also um remember that we have more events coming every month, the next event we have will be next week on February 17th, an introduction to African American Greek letter organizations. As we've constantly discussed the, the historical significance of um things that we've experienced in history we want to bring attention to black Greek letter organizations as in their role in society their historical significance and the role in social involvement that they play within the black community so that will happen February 17th from 3 to 4 pm I hope everyone's able to join and the last um, event that we have which is for students only which is our black student association social hour at that time Tuesday February 23rd we will Um, Give Black Student Association the time to, very similar to what they were able to do today, but just between them, have a conversation on issues that are affecting their community um, at large, and just different um, ideas or topics that they are interested in discussing. Um, If you have any questions at this time, please put it in the chat box. Do we have any questions? Okay, um, I don't see any questions coming in. Um, do remember that if you are interested in participating in any um, other programs or have any ideas, please email me at richardst 27 morainevalley.edu. Thank you again to our student leaders, Black Student Association for you guys volunteering. Yes, we did lose um, our students, but they had to get to work um, as well. So i appreciate you guys and i hope to see you soon if you have any questions feel free to contact me have a good afternoon everyone thank you